Well, one of the reasons we praise Jesus is because he has created a beautiful planet on which we live. And you can look around and uh, creation itself inspires great praise. Having said that, there are also some sobering things about what's going on on this planet. Let me share a few statistics uh, with you. This is for the state of California for the year 2018. It was the worst year on record for fires in California. This is a staggering number. 8,527 fires burned uh, an area of about 1.9 million acres, causing more than $3.5 billion in damages and nearly 100 deaths. It's a staggering set of numbers. This is actually for the country of Indonesia. For the country of Indonesia, again, it's hard to wrap your mind around this. In 2018, in one year's time, there were 1,807 earthquakes of at least 2.5 magnitude on the Richter scale, and over 221 earthquakes in Indonesia this year that were over a magnitude of five on the Richter scale, and more than 4,000 people lost their lives because of those earthquakes. In the Atlantic Ocean, 2018, there were 15 named storms, eight hurricanes, two major hurricanes, and $33.3 billion in damage caused this past year through hurricanes in the Atlantic Ocean. Over the past 150 years, 50% of the Earth's topsoil has been destroyed. Uh, It's gone. We have, uh, we've lost it. It's projected in the next 30 years in America, apparently there are 1,100 counties in the United States, it is projected that 400 of those 1,100 counties will be in danger of extreme water shortage in the next 30 years. And then finally, the World Health Organization estimates that of premature deaths, so not all deaths, but premature deaths, one in eight are somehow tied to air pollution. Now, some people would have you believe that these statistics could be reversed if we just did things a little differently. I do think it's important to take good care of the earth that's been entrusted to us, But the point of these statistics, from God's point of view, is that they're signs. Signs that something far worse is coming. And the point of showing those to you today was not to mobilize us to try to stop them from coming, but to simply recognize that in those statistics, God has a message for us of something far, far worse that's coming, and we do well to hear this news today. So what I'd like to invite you to do is take your Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah 24, if you're using one of the church Bibles, that's page 571. Isaiah 24, page 571. 
Let me just say, as you're turning, we're going to be looking at a chunk of scripture today, Isaiah 24, 25, 26, and 27. How these four chapters work is they're like an island in the middle of Isaiah 1 to 39. So if you've been with us or reading along or engaged in Isaiah in some earlier chapters, you may notice that there's been lots of stuff in Isaiah right before this that are about the nations and the empires on earth. Assyria, Egypt, Cush, Edom. After this, there'll be some more stuff about the nations and empires on earth. But chapter 24 to chapter 27 is this really powerful, really unique section of all of scripture, but especially of Isaiah, whereby the lens pulls back from simply the nations of the world and reveals to us what God has to say about the whole planet. The subject of these chapters is not any one nation or set of nations. It is the entire earth. And for just these four chapters in this section of Isaiah, God pulls back the lens and gives us the 30,000 foot view of what's going to happen to the earth and what is coming in the future. It starts out with some pretty bad news. Look with me, chapter 24. We'll start reading in verse one. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for the master as for his servant, for the mistress as for her servant, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for creditor as, sorry, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. Let me unpack what the Lord is saying in these six verses. Number one, the news is much, much worse than those statistics would indicate. Not only are things going badly on this planet, from an ecological and environmental point of view, the future is going to be far, far worse. That God has decreed he will destroy and devastate this planet, the one that we live on currently. This planet will be utterly destroyed. Now Isaiah 24 is not the only place in the scriptures where the Lord tells us this is what he's going to do. For example, 2 Peter chapter three, in the New Testament, Peter says, but they, these are the people, he says, who scoff and say, well, where's God? If God really exists, he should be doing some stuff. Peter says, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, 
the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. That's a reference to Noah's flood. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. The book of Revelation chapter 6 to 16 describe this devastation that's coming for the earth. And Isaiah 24 tells us the news is far, far worse than any statistic you could ever hear. God is going to utterly destroy the planet. It's been decreed. There's no stopping it. Number two, this news is relevant to every living person. There is no distinction. This is the beauty. It's poetic, but the haunting beauty of verse two. What God is talking about here has nothing to do with discriminating or representing people. It will be the same for the priest as for the lay person. It will be same for the rich person and the poor person, for the old person and the young person, the black person and the white person, for the creditor, for the debtor, for the person who is concerned about the environment and for the person who could care less about the environment. The point is God has determined he will devastate the earth and this is a piece of news that is relevant to every living human being. There is no distinction. All humans, the best and the worst, are in real danger because God has determined he's going to destroy this earth. Number three, it says in verse four, the earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. God is giving signs now that this destruction is coming. I shared some statistics with you at the beginning of the sermon. Some people want to say, oh, the earth is fine. Everything's great. This is just the normal cycle that stuff goes through. Please don't be deceived. God has always used floods and earthquakes and drought and fire to try to get people's attention. Something is wrong. That's what all those statistics show. This is not the way the earth is supposed to work. And these are signs. And people who want to say, oh, God's not involved in any of this stuff. Please, I understand the point. It's not that if one person sins, suddenly a hurricane descends on Miami. I get that. But please don't be fooled. All the stuff that's going on in this world is meant to get our attention that God says, you think this stuff is bad? Destruction is coming. The whole earth will be utterly destroyed. Pay attention. Floods, droughts, earthquakes, fire. God's always used these things to try to wake people up. Number four. The reason why droughts and earthquakes, fires, pollution, all this stuff, and the reason why true destruction is coming is because of human sin. 
Verse 5, the earth is defiled by its people. Verse 6, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Please, anyone who tells you that humans are not responsible for the chaos that's happening on the earth or the destruction that's coming are simply not reading their Bibles. It couldn't be any more clear. Humans are responsible. Anybody who tells you that the only reason humans are responsible is because we're not treating the planet the way it ought to be treating, treated are also not reading their Bibles. It's true that selfish, greedy use of this planet is causing problems. But so is sexual immorality. So is murder. So is bitterness. So is anger. What the Bible is telling us is this planet is in trouble because of our sin, the totality of it. Partly how we treat the environment, but also how we behave towards one another and how we engage with God. And this news is far, far worse. The point is, we're the problem. And anybody who wants to tell you it's not caused by humans or it's only caused by how humans interact with the environment are simply not paying attention to what God is saying. The earth is bound to be destroyed because we've messed it up. We've taken this planet that God has given us. We've not treated the planet, its inhabitants, our brothers and sisters, and God himself the way they ought to be treated. And as a result, God has decreed he's going to destroy the planet that's the bad news I got some good news for you in Isaiah 25 but before we look at it let me just say this as a comment this sermon is not about taking care of the environment it's not about creation care I can see how preaching this sermon might cause you to think about that issue and that's fine But the reason why this sermon is not about that topic is not because it's not an important topic. It is. It's just not what these passages are about. But let me just say, before we look at the good news in Isaiah 25, that people who tell you that it doesn't matter what you do on the earth, you can take the resources and treat them however you want, you can treat the planet, its animals, its people, however you feel like treating it, are in direct violation of a command from God that says, take care of this place. Take care of it. On the other hand, people who tell you that if you would just, you and I, would make certain environmental decisions, we can hold off or remove this promise that God has said that he will destroy the earth are also in direct violation of the scriptures. And so just as a side note, as Christians, we're aiming for the middle. Take, for example, how you take care of your house or garden or lawn or the place that you live or stay. On one hand, If you just simply abuse all of it, that's not from the Lord. On the other hand, if you make it an idol and spend all of your time and all of your money trying to maintain this, that's not from the Lord either. But what do we do? We try to take care of them. Not because we think we're going to make our house or our car or our lawns or our gardens last forever, but because when you take care of it, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to the people who use it. 
And so you don't spend an extreme amount of money or time on them, but you take care of them. So it is with the earth. That's not the point of this passage, but let me throw that in for you, since many of you might have that question as we look at this topic. Okay, bad news, the earth is going to be destroyed. There is no stopping it. Good news, chapter 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Just like the bad news is far worse than the world might cause you to believe. That is not just that the planet is struggling. The bad news is the planet is doomed. So the good news is far better than any solution you might hear in the world. There are lots of people who look at the statistics I showed you and said, we need to work on colonizing Mars. Or we got to find a way to re-engineer a solution to fix the planet. God's solution is far, far better. See, the problem is, if we colonize Mars, we're going to destroy Mars too because the problem is us. And if we try to re-engineer a solution to reverse the environmental difficulties, the problem is we've not really dealt with the root issue, which is our sin and the fact of death. God's solution is far, far better than anything anybody could imagine. And this is his solution. I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. On this mountain, this is a metaphor. What I'm going to do is create a new world, a new earth, destroying this earth, creating a new earth. And he says the best way to describe it is like a gigantic feast. Now this is metaphorical language. The new earth that God is creating is far bigger and far better than just a feast. But he's trying to say, look, all the good things you love about this life, all the things you enjoy, The things like sports or interactions or uh, fun stuff to do or adventures or exploring or nature or all the things that you love. God says, I want to create a place that has all of those things, but has no death, no sorrow, no sadness, no shame, no guilt. And the best language he knows for it is a gigantic feast full of all of your favorite foods that you can eat forever and not gain any weight. And you can enjoy all the bounties of creation. This is what God has coming. And this is the beautiful good news. Now let me give you an an analogy that might help sort of explain what it is God's saying in 24 and 25. Many of you may have had this experience where you have your computer and uh, at first the computer was fantastic. It was wonderful, did everything you wanted to do. And then at some point, it stopped running quite so well. And maybe like the software bogged down or it started to crash your computer or you downloaded some other stuff and it didn't seem to work the way you wanted to download or maybe your friends called you up and you're like, do you know you're sending emails with really bad stuff in it and there's a virus has gotten in and it's just a mess. 
If you've ever had a situation like that, computers running slowly, all that stuff, you got a couple of choices. One, you could say, well, I got to figure out how to fix this. And you can go online and you can Google and try to figure out what's wrong with my computer. Why is it not performing very well? And you can talk to friends and say, hey, does your computer crash all the time? Does it do this or does it do that? And they might recommend, oh yeah, if that happens, you need to download this or you need to do that or you need to change these settings. And some of you may actually know what people are talking about when they say that kind of stuff and that's fine. But if you're like me, you're gonna go home and go, I don't even know what that means. But you're like, you try to click some buttons and you're like, I don't know if that'll do anything. And then you download some stuff and it seems to make things worse. And then someone tells you, oh yeah, that's a virus you downloaded. And you're like, I am completely lost my mind. <laughs> but that is one choice. You can try to make it better yourself. Now imagine a situation, and you have to stretch your imagination a little bit, where you take your computer back to the Apple store or to Best Buy or to the manufacturer, whatever, and you say, look, this thing doesn't work very well anymore. And they call in their technical expert and they take a look at the computer and the person is like, whew, this is full of viruses and malware. This stuff is all messed up. And then imagine that the technical expert says to you, hey, look, there's not much we can do to rescue this computer. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you a new computer. And we're going to take all the documents and all the programs that you liked about this computer and we're going to transfer them over to the new computer and the technical expert says, I'm going to be the one that does it. And I'm going to optimize the settings and you're going to be able to download new operating system and give you all of the upgrades and it's going to work fantastic. And here's where you have to kind of stretch the illustration. It's never going to need an upgrade. It's never going to break and it's never gonna have any problems with it. That's what God's offering. You and I can try to fix all the stuff wrong with this earth. To be honest, we don't know what we're doing. We can do some things that seem to help make things better and those are good. But at the end of the day, the real problem is us. And any solution we come up with is infected with us. And so God says, out of the kindness and generosity of his heart, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this earth and all the things you like about it, and I'm going to transfer those over to a new earth that I'm going to create. And all the things that you love, they'll be there. And none of the stuff that causes the problems, death, sadness, disgrace, shame, none of that will be there. Now you read that and you think, well, that's a good deal. I hope that at the first half of the sermon, you're like, well, this is a really, this is a downer. And I hope now you're like, this is great. Okay, yes, there are fires, not good. And there are hurricanes, not good. But the good news is a new earth is coming with all the stuff from this earth that we like, none of the stuff that's not any good. And that's going to be our future. Now at this point, you could walk out of here and go, great. I'm glad to hear that. But before you do, there's one more thing you need to understand. Go back to chapter 24 and look with me in verse 21. In that day, so the day of destruction and the day when God creates the new earth, in that day the Lord will punish the powers in the heavens above 
and the kings on the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound in a dungeon. They will be shut up in prison and be punished after many days. The moon will be a dismayed and the sun ashamed for the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before its elders with great glory. It doesn't sound like everybody is participating in this new earth. Some of these people are in prison. That's not a happy thought. Turn over to chapter 26 of Isaiah, verse 19. Verse 19, but your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning and the earth will give birth to her dead. Now that sounds super positive. Like, hey, look, even if people die, they're gonna be raised from the dead and they're going to get to participate in this new heavens and the new earth. That is good news, except for the fact that it says, your dead will live, Lord. Not all dead, your dead. Meaning that those who get to participate in the new heavens and the new earth are those who belong to the Lord. This great promise in Isaiah 25 is not for all people. It's applicable to all people, but not all people will participate. Some of them are going to be imprisoned. Only the dead of the Lord will rise. The fact that not everybody gets to participate in the new heavens and the new earth could not be more clear at the end of the book of Isaiah. Here are the closing verses of this book that we're in. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. Meaning, we're not gonna have to upgrade this thing. That in the new heavens and the new earth, what God is going to create will be free from this contamination of sin and death and will never need to be destroyed and remade again. From one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fires that burn them will not be quenched and they will be loathsome to all mankind. The sobering news is not everybody gets to participate in the new heavens and the new earth. That begs the question. What decides? Everybody's going to experience the destruction of the earth. It doesn't matter whether you're a priest or a lay person, whether you're rich or poor, every single human being is going to experience the destruction of this earth, but not every single human being will experience the blessings of the new earth God is going to create, which begs the question, how do you end up being one of the people who experiences the blessings of the new earth? How do you get to be the person who's at the feast rather than the one who's imprisoned? How do you get to be the person who is raised from the dead rather than the one who experiences the unquenchable fires of hell? Turn back to chapter 25, verse 9. This is the passage about the fact that there will be a new heavens and a new earth and it's going to be a gigantic feast with no sorrow or sadness. Verse 9, in that day, they who are participating in the feast will say, surely this is our God. 
We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. What will characterize every single person who participates on that new earth, they will be ones who had put their trust in God. See, if you think about that analogy again with the computer, at some point, it'd be really cool if the Apple Store or Best Buy or whatever manufacturer were to say, yes, we will take that old computer and at no charge to you, we will replace it with a brand new computer with everything loaded on it that you had before, a computer that will be far better than what you had before that will never break or go out of style or be out of date. They can say all of that to you. But at some point, you got to decide, is this a scam or not? Because there's lots of scams out there. There's lots of people who make lots of claims. There are lots of people who would say, oh, yeah, yeah, give that to me, give, it, give me that, and we'll take care of it for you. But the point comes, at some point, you've got to hand them the computer. You've got to actually decide, okay. Because you can, you can just go home and say, you know what, I'm going to keep trying to fix it myself. Those who choose to trust the Lord simply are taking their lives and saying, I give it over to you. Every single person who does that will be in the new heavens and the new earth. That's why every one of them is going to have the same story. And the story is, my life was a mess. You came along and offered to remake it for me, and I gave it to you. That's why blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Every single person will have the exact story. Sadly, there will be some people who said, no, I'm going to try to fix this myself. I'm going to try to take care of this myself. And the sobering news is not one of those people will participate in God's heaven and God's earth. It's not that he doesn't want them to. The offer is available to all, but you got to show up at the store with your computer and say, here it is, I'm giving it to you. We want to think, no, I'm just going to keep using my computer and then they can make me a new computer and then it will show up on my desk fully loaded and then I'll get rid of this one. That's not the way it works. You got to take the computer in. You got to give the computer to the expert and you got to wait for him to give you back that new computer and the truth of the matter is this earth will be destroyed it's already been decreed by God and no matter what you and I do and there are good things to do to try to help mitigate some of the fires and the hurricanes and the disasters we are also supposed to come alongside of people who are suffering those and bless them and be merciful to them and be kind to them but no matter what we do this earth is going to be destroyed a day has been chosen ultimate destruction is coming you, you and I can't do anything about that God has also decreed he is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. It will be far better than anything you could ever imagine. It will have all the good things of this life, plus no death, no sorrow, no sadness, no shame, no sin. It will never need to be upgraded. It will be like a gigantic feast of the greatest proportions. That has been decreed as well. You and I can't do anything about that. The only question that remains for us is, are you willing to trust this God who said these two things are coming? Because you can look at it and decide it's a scam. You can decide this is just religion. You can think these are just words on a page. You can think, well, this is what Jewish people believe or what Christians believe or what whoever believes. You can decide those things. Or you can decide, you know what? I think this is true. 
And the point of all those statistics at the beginning is please pay attention. Anybody who tells you that everything on earth is going just fine is not paying attention. But the point is not for you and I to try to figure out how to stop God from doing what he's going to do. The point is there's signs. Signs that destruction is coming. Signs that God is not going to try to re-engineer this world. He's going to remake it. And the question for every single person in this room, whether priest or layperson, whether rich or poor, old or young, black or white, creditor, debitor, somebody who loves the environment, somebody who doesn't give any care about the environment, the question for every one of us is, will you trust God with your life? His dead will rise again and experience the new heavens and the new earth. If you are not part of his dead, all that awaits is imprisonment and punishment. This is some very sobering news. The earth will be destroyed. This is also some very good news. God is going to do something so far beyond anyone's imagination that you can't even begin to understand it. And the question for every single person is, will you trust him with your life? to do it for you.